0: Yep, here we go. It's the Tuesday Show, a new edition of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. I'm Pete Sweeney, sitting here with Sean. Uh, Sean, a new show to the podcast channel. Uh, How's your week going so far? Oh,
1: man, great week. Anytime you can cap a week off with uh, Red Friday, Red Saturday, Red Sunday, with the Chiefs bringing home in front of their home crowd a big victory against a very, very competitive Eagles team. Um, I think that's the the best way to start your week.
0: Yeah, an all-red-everything situation this week for Chiefs fans. And, you know, I could tell that you guys have been very excited on Twitter and for good reason. Uh, Power rankings are coming out today. Chiefs are within the top three pretty much everywhere. So it's an exciting time to be a fan of the Kansas City Chiefs. And what this Tuesday show is going to be about is Sean and I will go back, we'll review the film, which we already did, and we're going to come at you with some new takeaways that maybe we didn't see the first time around, Sean. You know, you've been in the film room before. How important is it to see the all twenty-two film?
1: I mean, you, you can only you can only speak about it once you experience it because you you see things as far as coverage, as far as uh, gap responsibility, um, little nuances that offenses defenses are doing to try to get you out of position. But it's not until you see that all 22 do you see how uh, all those things intertwine to see a missed tackle, a misassignment, a big play that you should have gotten, uh, or a missed opportunity by offensive defense to make a really big play. And just a few of those, as you can tell on Sunday, will cost you the game.
0: That's right. And another thing we'll be doing on this Tuesday show, besides the takeaways from the film, is also reviewing some of the bigger parts of Andy Reid's Monday press conference. There was a number of things he said yesterday, so we'll get into that in the second half of the show. So first things first, uh, along with the Chiefs being regarded potentially as one of the top teams in the league, pretty much across the board, as you see, the power rankings are coming out on website after website. There's been analysis when it comes to Kareem Hunt. And Adam Schefter of ESPN yesterday on NFL Live said through two games, this is the best player in football. Uh, Sean, now that you've watched the film from this Eagles game, what have you learned about Kareem Hunt in game two?
1: I think he's uh, – you, you, you get what you see. He's a guy who plays very instinctively. He has a low power base, awesome balance, awesome feel for the football, very patient runner. So the comparisons to the Emmitt Smiths of the world and the comparisons to all these great running backs – I don't, think they're, uh, I don't think they're just coaches talking anymore. I think that the, the, the kid really sees himself as being one of the greater, one of the best running backs in the league, not only this year, but I mean, it's, all, it's hard to always tag history, but he has all the tools. You got to make sure he, he's consistent and he has to bring it every week. Um, but one of the things I saw on film was his blocking. He's actually passionate about going blocking. A few times we saw him blocking for Thomas or uh, blocking for Hill on, on one of our jet sweeps. And he gets up in that linebacker's face like on the same linebacker. Like he, he knows what he's doing right there. So there's no prima donna in him. Uh, he's a hard working running back.
0: Now, this was a different type of game for Hunt than the first game. The first game, he exploded. It was a 246-yard record-breaking effort. This week, only 13 carries for 81 yards. He did have the two touchdowns, which were impressive. Of course, the 53-yard touchdown. And before that, it was a little bit of a different game for Hunt.
1: Yeah, it was kind of a, a picking, you know, picking, 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 pick, pick, you know, just kind of a little bit of yards here, a tackle full. I mean, that defensive front was, was so aggressive coming after him. Those linebackers were filling the gaps. It was it, it was all he could do sometimes just to get back to the line of, line of scrimmage, much less break a break a long run. But when they gave him the opportunity, like I said, when they gave him the opportunity to showcase his top-end speed and his, his vision, he made him pay. And that 52-yard run was a was a backbreaker. And then he finishes off later on in the game with a, with a powerful, exciting two-yard run to find pay dirt to seal the game.
0: Now you talk about Patrick Mahomes, maybe an Eric Hosmer. Is this the new big star in Kansas City, you think, in your opinion?
1: I mean, he's one of them. Uh, you know, the thing about being a star is you got to be a, you got to be as 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 bold and and, and brash off the field as you are. on. I don't see that with him. I see him as being a humble, humble guy. Now, Chris Jones, on the other hand, Travis Kelsey, <laughs> Travis Kelsey, they have personalities for about three teams, and so I think that they're going to let those guys. And you know what Andy Reid says over and over again is he wants his guys to let their personality show. This guy, Kareem Hunt, is just a hardworking blue-collar, humble, just keep giving me the ball, keep feeding me. I get strong as the game go on. I'll do anything. I'll cover punts. I'll cover kicks. I'll do whatever I have to do to make this team win. And that's something you just don't find in this day and
0: age in the NFL. Well, we will see if Kareem Hunt can keep it up. I want to bring up somebody you just mentioned, Chris Jones, defensive lineman for the Chiefs. Some really funny commentary after the game saying he was running to Overland Park after the interception. But this was without a doubt the best game of his career. What did you see on the tape?
1: Chris Jones is the guy, you know, he's we call it the Chris Jones countdown, right? Four tackles, three sacks, two forced fumbles and then an interception. So he's just counting it down. He just, he's he's putting this it's like a – The NFL equivalent of the cycle. The cycle. He is – he does he hit the cycle uh, when it comes to D-linemen. But Chris Jones, I mean, he's a guy – he's having a lot of fun out there. And you rarely find guys on the defensive line playing in the trenches where it's so tough, it's so physical, it's so – uh, that doggy doll dog world, it's that gridiron grunt-type mentality to be down in those trenches. You don't find guys smiling. You don't find guys having a great time in there. It's, it's, it's almost that do-or-die type mentality. And so he's a breath of fresh air for a guy like me to see a guy having that much fun and that much enthusiasm about playing the game in only his second year.
0: And like you said before, he ain't afraid to tell you about it. Oh, he'll tell you about it, definitely. <laughs> Another good player for the Chiefs. I want to move on now to Eric Berry. Uh, this was a player that the Chiefs lost in week one. They're going to have to replace him for the rest of the year after he had Achilles surgery. First things first, I want to hear what Andy Reid had to say, and then, Sean, we'll get to your thoughts.
2: Yeah, I thought, um, I thought we missed him early. You know, I thought it was just a matter of the new guys settling down and and playing, and, uh, and but... I thought Parker did a nice job of kind of – he's a quiet guy, but he just kind of relaxed, we're going to be okay right here, you know, and, and took over uh, and kind of filled that, that role that Eric does with the, the defense. And so um, – and then, and then you end up seeing uh, um, Murray and, and Sorensen end up being the leading tacklers on the defense and, and putting in some uh, – with the exception of the one holding call early um, – uh, Murray came back and had some big plays for us, and, and Sorensen had some big plays. I mean, his ability to blitz in there and sacrifice, uh, jumping over people and doing all that, I thought, it was a tribute. So Reed
0: clearly thought the Parker-Sorensen-Murray trio did struggle a little bit early on, but got better as the game went along. Did you agree with that?
1: Oh, definitely. I mean, if you, you go into the ball, you go into the halftime with three points on the board, so your back end definitely had to hold the fort down. Like you said, Parker, he had a solid game. Uh, not too many pluses, but not any minuses, just check marks, check marks. And that's kind of when he talks about righting the ship, just when, when you know they're going to try to attack your safety position because you lost to Eric Berry, you need somebody to come in and really just just, just let everybody know it's going to be all right. We got we got what we need. We got enough talent back here. I'll make the checks. I'll make the calls. You guys just go play. And like you said, you know Murray had a call there earlier, but besides that, man, his coverage abilities got better and better as the game went on. And Soroson just was a splash here, splash there. Uh, over the top here, big
0: sack here. What about the Superman uh, play?
1: Superman over, uh, going over Derek Sproles to create a uh, quarterback pressure, um, but also his impact on the special teams. He's still able to go out there and contribute to the special teams on a very high level. He, he's he's invaluable right now. He's he's very valuable to the team in all in both phases.
0: Now, there were some things you noticed about Sorensen early on that he wasn't doing right. Could you highlight some of that and it was corrected later in the game?
1: Yeah, like sometimes against man coverage, you'll see him uh, be responsible for a back and they slip out sproles on a a quick screen. And just the leverage you take when it's man coverage, you have to make sure that that screen gets turned back to your pursuit. A few times him and also um, Derek Johns were going underneath the blocker, which if those plays had been caught, they would have went down the sideline for six, so... Seeing those happen in the first half and a couple times in the third quarter, but late in the fourth quarter, once it matters, um, both of them took proper angles later in the game to definitely turn those plays back in.
0: Now, Sorensen's not a rookie. He's been getting more and more time as time has gone on, but this is a really big role for him now. He's a starter. How many games or so do you think it'll take him to just be, be ready for each down?
1: Oh, he better be ready to come next Sunday. <laughs> uh, I'm sure the other, the other opponent is not going to give him too much leeway as far as a uh, uh, um, learning curve. Yeah, a learning curve, a or, or work in progress. They're not going to pay attention to that work in progress sign. They're going to they're gonna attack him early and often. Like I say, and he showed a couple snaps on, on, on film that um, you might want to attack his leverage. And sometimes in coverage, he overran a uh, in-and-out route There could have been a, a first down, and some things like that where he just wasn't playing to his leverage, wasn't playing to his help. And sometimes you you find yourself overreacting, playing too fast when you're
0: thrown into the mix of um, starting. Now, Alex Smith, kind of in a similar way of hunt, didn't have, of course the game from last week but he still was very efficient 21 for 28 for 251 yards and the touchdown plus he took two shots down the field in this game one to Tyreek Hill incomplete uh Hill was just a little bit under the ball and one to Chris Conley down the sideline what did you take away from Smith's game
1: uh Smith man he just he got sacked a few times but um number 56 Hicks seemed like he had it out for Smith I mean a couple times he deposited some really big hits that laid uh Laid Smith down. I thought that we needed to get an eight-count a few times. Like, using that boxing terminology, you need to get up and give him an eight-count. But, I mean, he just kept coming back. He kept getting back in the huddle, kept calling the plays, facing that defensive front, facing those guys, staring down the blitzes and the pressures, delivering the ball. Uh, was very smart sometimes to just hold on and take the sack. Sometimes the smartest thing a quarterback can do. Is not force that ball into a small windows and give up a pick six or give up a a turnover. He managed the clock when he needed to. He made big plays when he needed to with his arm and his legs. But the one thing he did to me that made him my gridiron grunt of the game was he just kept leading our troops. He kept the offense running the clock when we needed to. He uh just kept kept getting the balls, the um the plays snapped and the plays called. And so, yeah, he was the guy who I thought was the warrior of the game.
0: That's what you need in a quarterback, isn't it? I mean, that's a, that's a huge part of it is even though you're knocked down, coming up. And you even saw it in Carson Wentz. You know, mm-hmm. not, we're not really talking about the Eagles. Uh, but that's another good quarterback in this league who was getting hit, and they popped right back up.
1: Yeah, it is. I mean, when you see that quarterback late in the fourth quarter, continue to make scrambles, reach the ball out, diving for first downs, getting hit, getting hit. Like we said, we had Soreson coming over the top, sacks by Benny Logan. and. And uh, the incredible Hawk put him down a few times. I mean, so when you're getting sacked and getting hits, it's pressure to be able to stand in that pocket and continue to deliver the ball. I mean, I think I had the Eagles with three big plays in the first half and about nine in the second half. So Carson Wentz definitely kept his eyes downfield even in the heat of the moment in the pressure. He kept his eyes downfield, making big plays. And that's definitely something we got to kind of get better at as far as the defense.
0: One other thing I want to bring up in the second quarter regarding Alex Smith is he takes a pretty big lick right towards the end of the second quarter, right after the two minute warning, and he's a little shaken up, slow to get up. What did you see from that point of the half on? It, it was
1: just a little bit different. You know, it just seemed like the next four or five plays, even when receivers were open and the ball could have been delivered, it was just a little bit of a disconnect as far as whether he was wanting to make the throw or not. And like I said, when you don't know and when you when you're worried about that that pick six sometimes it's better just to take the sack just the way the game was going there it was such a tight hold it close to your vest type game I think the smartest thing he could do was kind of give himself a few plays to kind of clear his head and just to make sure he's seeing what he wants to see and make sure the ball's being delivered on time.
0: Just a little rattle at the end of the second quarter, but did come back and score two touchdowns in the second half. Chiefs win the game. I want to talk about Coach Reed's play calling. You know, this was an Eagles team with Doug Peterson who knew what the Chiefs liked to do. How did Andy Reed respond to that?
1: To me and all and you know, flying colors. Not only Coach Reed, but also Coach Sutton. To have a guy come from your offense to go to another team, he not only knows Coach Reed's offense, but he knows Coach Sutton's defense from practicing against it all year. For the last two years, so they knew exactly what all the checks and all the tendencies and all the uh, adjustments to man coverage was going to be. They knew what Coach Sutton was going to do against empty looks and and certain formations. And so they they like I said they they created some big plays. They max protect and ran some two receiver routes to you know get their 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 receivers on on Philip Gaines and on uh, Mitchell when they needed big plays. But the the Kansas City Chiefs, both offenses and defenses both on the offense and defensive side, both played really big parts of just doing little nuances, bringing people from different angles and doing some things that I think the Eagles just were not prepared for.
0: Well, it was a good job by the Chiefs. They end up with a victory. They're 2-0. A lot of people calling them the top team in the league. That's everything we got from the week two film session. When we come back, we'll go over Andy Reid's press conference. Don't go anywhere. Drink run. Here we go. McCafe coffees, shakes, and drinks. Ain't no thing. You're the man. Yeah, that's what they're gonna say. Aw, oh, Kevin, thank you
1: so much. We love you. That's right. You're the champ. The Drink Run champ.
0: Welcome to McDonald's. How can I help you? Own the Drink Run, Kevin. Own it. Now get a small smoothie, shake, or frappe for $2 on McDonald's $123 menu. Prices and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer or combo <laughs> meal. Welcome back to the Hourhead Pride podcast. This is the Tuesday show. Pete Sweeney here with Sean Barber. It's a new thing we're doing. We'll review the film as we did in the first segment. And now we're going to be talking about Andy Reid's Monday afternoon press conference. And a big part of that was... What's going on with Mitch Morse? Left the game early on Sunday. Turned out he had a foot sprain per Ian Rappaport of the NFL Network. But Zach Fulton had to come in. Here were Andy Reid's thoughts on Fulton's job.
2: Yeah, you're great. I mean, the first play, yeah, the first play I kind of checked with him. That's a tough one, that first one. And and, uh, and he, handled, he handled the gun snap and then kind of an option-type play that he's got to maneuver a little bit on. And, and uh, uh, we have full trust in him. Really, at all the spots. I mean, he, he, uh, he's, a, he's a good one. Good one to have on our team. But yeah, he did a nice job.
0: So, Mitch Morse is now expected to miss a couple of weeks. And the good thing is, that's why you have Zach Fulton.
1: Definitely. And, and the one thing you just, you know, glaring highlight is the center quarterback exchange. You want to make sure that's something this week gets practiced before, during practice, and after practice.
0: But how impressive was that for him to come in? and finish the game, and you didn't really notice any problems. We call it being a pro's pro,
1: <laughs> right? If you, if anybody who knows Zach, Zach is ready to say the Zach attack. That's what I'll call you when you come in on a Tuesday I <laughs> can still perform as well on Thursday. I think I've heard Zach, uh, Andy call Zach and say, get ready for the Zach attack. That means at any point he can just put him in at guard, center, tackle, maybe even at tight end, and expect him not to miss a beat. And having a weapon like that, a utility guy, a uh, Swiss Army knife type guy that you can – Backup in so many different positions, that's, that enables the Chiefs to do an amazing thing with their roster as far as numbers.
0: Right, and they also have Parker Anger on the way back. Mm-hmm. I know that the offensive line was a little shaky to begin this game, especially with Brian Witzman and Mitch Schwartz, so you wonder where Anger fits into that picture once he gets a little bit healthier. You want this offensive line to be healthy, though. I mean, giving Smith time is going to be the key this year.
1: Oh, definitely, but you know, the one thing they did show is against a very, very good, solid defensive front, they were able to, at times, really just stand in the trenches, hold the line, hold the line, and hold the line. And that's really what you want the offense to do, just show them that um, unlike some other teams we've seen uh, recently on, 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 on Monday Night Football and some other <laughs> offensive lines who've given it up on the outside, inside, up the middle, and every which way, um, the Chiefs offensive line has done a great job against a very, very stout Eagles defensive line.
0: Another part of Andy Reid's press conference was something a little controversial with Chiefs Kingdom uh, this week. Travis Kelsey taking his second taunting penalty in as many weeks. And you could tell Andy Reid was a little unhappy on the sidelines, giving him a lot of trouble really yelling at Kelsey as he approached the sideline after the taunting penalty. You know he wasn't happy about that. This is what he had to say during the press conference.
2: One of those deals um, where, you know, what I said, I I try to keep that... In house, it was obvious. that I wasn't real happy about it. Um, I'm not going to get into details of it, but it, I think we all know you can't do that. And uh, and and he gets he gets caught up in the emotion of the game. The one thing that you love about Trav is that he plays. Man, he comes to play. He comes back and he's diving over people. He left at the five yard line, dives over somebody to score a touchdown. So, but you can't you can't take stuff away from yourself. You can't do that with your teammates. Uh, um and and so he kind of got it from all different angles some of the players got upset at him and that we all love him but you got to you know you can't do things that take away from what you're trying to get accomplished here. you got to learn to curb your emotions and somewhere he's got to do that i thought this was pretty
0: interesting only because it's such a weird discussion you know i think if you're a fan and you want your players to act a certain way you want a player benched here or there you can understand that, but then a couple series later, you get a play that maybe no other tight end could perform in the league where he jumps over another defender for a touchdown. It wound up being so important because the Eagles ended up with 20 points in this game. So how do you feel about it, Sean?
1: Man, it's, it's, he has a reckless abandon about his body, about his – about. It. he plays with a passion, and sometimes that passion is hard to get uh, properly directed, but – I mean, you got to take the good with the bad. You got to you got to accept him for who he is. He he plays at such an emotional high. You just hope that he realizes that the other team sees the film. The other team realizes that they can nudge him after the after the play. They can pull on his face, man, a little bit at the bottom of the pile. They can maybe give him a couple of noogies in his nuts at
0: (laughs) when he's at the bottom of a pile. That's what I'm talking. All right, that's another T-shirt we have: noogies on the nuts. To try to get
1: under his skin and try to get him off his game. But clearly, clearly um, on Sunday, he was on his A game, leaving from the five yard line, sailing 15 feet through the air to come down for a score and giving the fans exactly what they needed. That arrowhead chop to let you know that he still got your back. Uh, man, he, he, he's one of the best tight ends in the league.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, I don't think he'll be taking a third taunting penalty. My whole point about this, and I stand by it, is Andy Reid's going to address this, and we'll never hear about exactly what takes place, whether that be running or a really important sit-down whether for 20 or 30 minutes so that he knows. But Travis Kelsey wants to be a leader of this team on the field. You can't argue that he definitely is. Just some of these off-the-field things, uh, you hope he gets a little bit better, but he's just so good you can't take him off the field. That That's kind of the problem.
1: Yeah, and even beyond his talent on the field, I think Andy just realizes it's about your the respect your team has for you. Right. It's, and he brought it back. Andy said it perfectly. He brought it back to the team. It's about what your team needs from you. They need your passion. They need your, your, your purpose. They need you to go out there and excel and, and lead them. But they also need you to know that you can't do that because then you allow them to do it. And we can't have a bunch of personal fouls every time somebody feels like they were – rubbed the wrong way or something like that so he wants him to be a leader by example
0: and not only by voice right and another thing that we have to talk about off the field probably even more controversial if not the most controversial topic is Marcus Peters decision to continue to sit during the national anthem and with this being such a controversial topic I'm going to play the full three minutes of Andy Reid from the press conference talking about this the other voice you'll hear is Siren Petro from. I believe he does today's show with 810, and he's asking the questions regarding Marcus Peters. We're going to listen, and then we'll have a healthy discussion, and then we'll close down the Tuesday show of this podcast. So this is Andy Reid on Marcus Peters. I think on Friday
2: you addressed a little bit uh, Marcus Peters not standing for the, for the national anthem. You know, everyone knows your rights in this country, that you have the right to do it, but does he, he's not talking after games. He's kind of conveniently getting out of the locker room without saying anything. Uh, does he owe it to, to people to explain? Where, do you know what he is? Why he is safe? yeah? I've had an opportunity to talk to him, and so I, I mentioned that. Just uh, I'll stick to what I said and what our um, you know what Clark said before. Um, but I think his he loves kids. I mean, that's the thing. He spends a lot of time um, in Oakland helping raise in a rough area raise. Raise these kids. He has his own football team there, and um, takes a tremendous amount of pride in that. And that whole community relations. He has a carnival there. People don't understand that he, he's got a carnival. There. The police work the carnival. Their families come to it. These are the things that I see behind the scenes. So then, then you go back, and however, everybody, everybody has their own beliefs, right? And how they're going to show, whatever they're going to show. So that's the great part about this country. Right. Um, and and are, people take it different ways. I get I get it. I completely he, get he it. He could he couldn't believe you I, I mean, you I just, don't, I, yeah. Like yeah I don't want to get that. into a debate. I I just I, as a head coach, you see, I see more than what other people see. And I I right or wrong, right or wrong, we're we're given the opportunity to express ourselves. We all are, right. and uh, we all don't agree. Uh, but when we come together, we come together as the Chiefs as a football team and. And nobody uh, That's not a distraction for our football team. We we, we roll and, um, and and we you know, and so I'm, I'm gonna leave it at that. I'm gonna leave it at that and I Don't want to get into a debate over it. Uh, that's a debate. You're not gonna win either way. It's just uh, because of how it's settled, but um, Anyway, I, I understand I'm not looking for debate, but by, by him not speaking about it, doesn't that exacerbate the outside distractions? It's gonna whatever. I mean, uh, people are gonna have opinions, and you know, for and against. And yeah. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna get into. Uh, and I just think, and look, and I I, don't know, you're <clears talking throat> uh, I don't know you don't talk about this. I know you want to vote for, but that's that's kind of the point. People don't know what is like. You, you, he's doing this great work for community, That's good enough. Yeah. So right. yeah. So but I guess what, what I'm saying, the big the, yeah, his big picture is that that um, he, he's helping raise these kids, and he wants to raise them in a better world. I mean, that, that was my point. Uh, that that's. You know, and I'm sure that's probably part of this, and 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 look, that, that's as far as I'm a I'm a go with it, Sure. I'm not gonna I'm not gonna go any further. And it, he, whether he chooses to speak or not speak, that's that's his choice. I mean, that's again, that's all part of this.
0: This is a tough situation, only because I, I think Andy Reid likes coaching football, and he, you know, <laughs> my mom always said, don't a talk, bit. Don't talk a about bit. religion and politics." And I think in what Andy Reid said at this press conference, he was. Tr- Kind of going in that direction where it's really hard to take a side either way on this just because of how hot it is and where people have valid points on both sides. And you heard it from Andy Reid. He doesn't want to get into a debate. But at the end of the day, I think we all need to agree, right, that if Marcus Peters wants to do something, he has the right by law to do something. And that was Andy Reid's point. And I think you just got to support that. And it hasn't affected the team. They're playing as good as we've seen maybe in the last, what, 15, 20 years. So... With all that in mind, uh, I don't know. I I, I feel like this should put it to bed, but I I just have a feeling that it won't.
1: Oh, it's never going to be put to bed. I mean, um, racism is something, it speaks volumes, whether you want to speak on it, whether you want to comment on it or not. Having a, a press conference where Peters invites the media to explain his side of it, that's not the end of it. Right. That won't end anything. All that would do is give... Um, a bunch of radio people, a bunch of media people, a checklist of things to check off on him, uh, pros and cons. And then he's going to have to further detail and explain why he feels the way he does about those things. So it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's going down a rabbit hole. It's a never-ending story. I agree. So I do appreciate the fact that Coach took us a, a few moments just to go down a few of the things that Peters does back at his hometown. And so when he wants to choose as an athlete to not stand and to take a seat, ride the bike. Whatever he chooses to do, and if you're not giving him the benefit of the doubt of all the things he does off the field, then you shouldn't judge what he does in that minute 45 seconds of his life. He's not doing anything disrespectful for anybody. He's choosing to express himself in a quiet manner. It's not violent. (laughs) Not non-violent, but he gives so much respect for those that want to decide to stand or not to stand by him just saying i'm not going to judge anybody else i'm just not going to speak about it his, he is entitled to his own feelings without having to share them with anybody and that's the one thing i think gets over overseen by all of these things is that there is nothing in your contract there is nothing that is any entertainer as any sports profession i don't i don't i don't owe it to anybody to explain my own thoughts there are some things I would share with people for a certain reason, but if I don't feel like sharing my thoughts about any aspect of life, there's nothing that should force me to do it. There's no amount of pressure from the media or the radio, Seren Petro or whoever should be able to force Marcus Peters to express something that he doesn't want to express.
0: Yeah, and, and there, are, there are positives, I think, to the reaction of the community just because what you see in the community is how, much they, how highly they regard their mm-hmm. chiefs. So if they may not agree with a certain guy, you know, they're coming out and saying it just because the Chiefs mean so much to them. I think in a way that's a good thing. I don't think you should be getting on Marcus Peters for something he decided. But the support of the community and wanting to know the reason of things like that, of the reason of their players, you know, I think is healthy. And it just goes to show how highly this community regards the Chiefs. And for Marcus Peters to... Not speak to the media. I, th- I think you had nailed it on the head. If he doesn't want to speak to the media about why he's doing it, just like he has the right to express himself, he has the right to avoid media, avoid having to say whatever he wants to say.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I do. I take my hat off and I do support all the, the athletes that are standing and sitting. Any athlete who is bringing awareness to something that is an injustice in our society and then therefore backing up with their own actions off the field, that's the important thing. If you're sitting just to sit and you're standing just to stand, but you're not doing anything with your off season, if you're not spending any time trying to help the community or help any causes, then I think that's where things get lost. Because there's many of Americans that have have an opinion about athletes standing or sitting, but them themselves are not active in anything. And so that's where I started to get a little bit sideways when I hear people ask me questions, how I feel about, as a former athlete, how do I feel about athlete standing? And then I ask them the question, so what have you done in your community for the last six months? And they look at me with a blank face. <laughs> and so I do appreciate that Kaepernick 12 months ago started something that has started a avalanche of conversations. And it
0: certainly has created awareness, which is
1: which definitely. is his intention to begin with. Definitely, definitely. So, So be it right or wrong, like Coach Reed says, what it did do is started, it started people talking, and that's what really needed to be done. The communication, the, the, the discussions need to be had.
0: And at the end of the day, no matter how you feel on the situation, it has not affected the team. In fact, the team is, is playing tremendously. So if we just kind of can all agree that everyone has a right to their own opinion, just like you do, just like Marcus Peters does, just like Sean does, just like I do, I think we can all live together. Happily have healthy discussions and live in peace. And I just felt today that I wanted to cover it on the Arrowhead Pride podcast only because I feel like if we ignore something like this, uh, we're not doing our job. Because exactly. I, know, I know it's a, it's a thing. It's, it's something that was talked about at the press conference. It's something that's been pretty visible the last few weeks. Um, so this is kind of our take on it. I, I think in general, we support what Andy Reid said.
1: Definitely. Definitely. I, I've always been. a. a I think Andy is one of the top. Um, top coaches in the league and he handles guys personal personal life on and off the field he allows guys to be individuals he's not a guy who he doesn't, he doesn't deal with a bunch of excuses and all that kind of stuff he expects grown men to be grown men and if I'm going to treat you like a grown man I'm not going to go up and ask for a bunch of excuses and explanations for things that you really don't owe me an explanation for you're a football player you're here to play football we encourage we, we develop an atmosphere for you to be effective on the field but the, uh, the Chiefs family encourage guys to get out in the community and do things and from what coach said marcus peters has done a phenomenal job back in his hometown of supporting kids And a lot and of people look up, and a lot of a lot of a lot of kids look up to him definitely
0: well that's it as you kind of alluded to on thursday we'll get back to football we'll be talking about the chiefs and the chargers coming at you this sunday from the StubHub Center. So that should be fun to talk about. Uh, I'm sure we'll be discussing how they'll be playing in a soccer stadium, among many other things, for Sean Barber on Pete Sweeney. This has been the new Tuesday show of the Arrowhead Pride Podcast. I'm Mark from Marinda Safeway. We offer great savings on groceries, but did you know we also offer savings at the pump? Earn 10 cents off per gallon when you spend $100 at Safeway stores. Enter your phone number or swipe your club card at the register and earn points. Redeem your rewards at participating Chevron, Texaco, and Safeway gas stations. Maximum gas reward at participating Chevron or Texaco stations is 20 cents per gallon and $1 per gallon at Safeway stations in a single fill up, up to 25 gallons. Other restrictions and exclusions apply. See complete details at Safeway.com forward slash reward. This is Mark from Marinda Safeway, and we'll see you soon. Check it out. And if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder. But you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier.